You are a brand, you are your own brand, and you need to very consciously manage your own brand opportunities. Welcome to Brand With On Demand, your guide to rebooting radio. Companies used to kind of hang their heads and say, well, you know, we're not doing much podcasting. I guess we are uh, posting our, our morning show up there. Well, take ownership of that and be proud of it and do it in a good way, and it can be very valuable. Brand With On Demand. Rebooting radio with a different take on all radio can be. Now your guides through the media morphosis, David Martin, and author of the book Brandwith, media branding coach, Kipper McGee. Dave Beezing has helped build some of America's biggest media brands. It all started at age 14 when Dave would fill in for his dad on KTNC AM in Falls City, Nebraska. Reporting the uh, farm markets, actually. And when he was old enough for a real job, he took a job on the Cornhuskers flagship KLIN in Lincoln and then KRMG, the 50,000-watt powerhouse in Tulsa, and then on to Viacom, where he was with them in Detroit and L.A. There in L.A., he was the architect of the now-iconic 100.3 FM The Sound. Dave used on-demand video and social media to interact with his loyal audience like no other radio programmer had before. And back in the 90s, he innovated a hipper radio format for soccer moms at Star 98.7 in Los Angeles, where, by the way, he gave a kid named Ryan Seacrest his first full-time job. Yeah. By the way, I renewed him year two. I remember the renewal was 52000 So, wow. yeah. <laughs> they just yeah. don't know how to negotiate anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for 12 years, Dave advised hundreds of media properties, radio, TV, cable, online, as senior consultant of Jacobs Media Strategies. And now, as technology continues to evolve, Dave is evolving, too. He's in the middle of founding a company called Sound That Brands. Brand with On Demand is proud to welcome our guest, Dave Beezing. Hey, Dave. Thank you. And Kipper, too. It's an honor to be here. Hey, the honor is all ours, Dave, especially after seeing all your articles and links and even your presentation way last summer at Podcast Movement. So for folks who weren't in Philly, what do you think were some of radio's biggest takeaways from Podcast Movement? Well, I, I think the biggest takeaway for me is just that radio as an industry sees where things are headed. And I think radio is figuring out that they're becoming less a distribution-oriented company and industry. They have to be more of a content company. I did a uh, piece for Radio World Magazine. I write a little column for them. And the latest one that just came out, and you can find it online, is RadioWorld.com. I asked seven consultants to predict 2019 in radio. And David Gleason got the quote that was highlighted by my editor. Broadcasters who realize the future is in content, not towers, will be the survivors. And I think that's where podcasting fits into the picture in that you know how in, in, in radio we've forever had those moments where the sales manager or one of the salespeople drifts into the programmer's office and says, the client needs to be on the morning show or uh, they've got this contest they want to do and we need to do this to get the business. And programmers always struggled with how do I say no to this but help this person still get the buy. And podcasting is now a major tool in the toolbox. It's unlimited inventory. 
And while we can't, we, the budgets for the general managers go up by, I don't know, four, five, ten percent a year. They've got to hit bigger and bigger numbers. They're not getting more on-air inventory with which to do it. So the events are important. All of the other NTR is important. And podcasting can be part of the picture as well. Yeah. Dave, you're on the record as saying you don't want to transition out of radio. but would rather play some kind of role in the transition to the next place it's going. Where is the best place to start, especially if you don't have the same support as a lot of other kind of industry leaders? Well, it is difficult if your company is not emphasizing a shift towards podcasting and some of these other ideas, new technologies. And most companies now are, frankly, but they're doing it on a company-wide basis more so than on a local basis. So they're getting their 40-plus hours a week out of you already, so it becomes difficult for a lot of folks to find the time to experiment in some of these areas where it's just not in your job description. But as much as you possibly can, try to dabble in these other things. For local radio, I see four areas where there are opportunities ahead in the very near future, and it's already starting. The first is obvious, and that's what's being done the most. And sometimes it gets looked down upon by podcasters, but there's nothing wrong with the repurposing or time shifting of our over-the-air programs. Yeah, I mean, we need to get better at doing it in radio and how we package that content and not just post four hours with traffic reports and contest promos. And (laughs) and somewhere in there, there's an edition of Battle of the Sexes at the two-hour and 18-minute mark. But if we package it well, our emphasis has to continue to be, from an investment standpoint, the company's emphasis will continue to be where the revenue is for the most part, and that's on air. So that's some of our best stuff. We need to do a better job at packaging it and be proud of it. Steve Goldstein just put out a blog today, his blog steam uh, from Amplify Media, where he talks about that, about how companies used to kind of hang their heads and say, well, you know, we're not doing much podcasting. I guess we are uh, posting our, our morning show up there. Well, take ownership of that and be proud of it and do it in a good way. And it can be very valuable. Look at what DVRs did for TV. When TV shifted from must-see television on Thursday nights to must-see television whenever you had the time to sit down and turn on your DVR. That was a major boost for everybody, including the networks. Absolutely. Second of all, original content, obviously. And we're doing some of it now. There's some great stuff out there. Often, though, it's kind of being done as brand extensions of our on-air programs. So not only some of the same talent doing it, but there's this idea that if we give them a little extra morning show or we kept the mics on during the breaks or for a half hour after the show ended or whatever, that that could be a podcast. And sometimes it is, but rarely. Instead, if you look for some passions and interests among some of those same people, maybe there's somebody on the show that is that crazy person. Every workplace has two or three that is staying up all night during World Cup soccer time to watch the games. That could be a podcast. Or there's somebody on the show that likes to to camp or hike in the nearby state parks and do all that stuff. Or the local baseball team, there's somebody on the show that's already talking the most about the local baseball team and thinks that the pitcher should have been pulled two innings earlier the night before. Without stepping on any sports rights, you got to be careful, but you can do all of those shows and so many others in an entertaining way. And you, you may ask yourself, well, who's going to care about our little hiking and camping show? But the local camping supply store might, you know? Exactly, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's all about with with podcasting. It's all about a very targeted audience. I think in radio, we have through the years thought more in terms of demographics. With podcasting, if you think more in terms of communities that you can appeal to, whether mm-hmm. it's the yep. camping community, the classic car community, the, the whomever, and tap into those communities. There are opportunities with original content. And speaking to talent, I would say now more than ever, you are a brand, you are your own brand, and you need to very consciously manage your own brand opportunities. So as you negotiate your contracts, whether you have a a written contract as a talent or whether you just verbally manage your relationship with your employer, have some flexibility in there that you can podcast, you can YouTube, you can do your own social media. That stuff is extremely valuable and we've been giving it away as talent. Of course, I was on the management side at a station and often the terms that I had to negotiate with were dictated from above. And yet I could really see the smarter talent trying their best to get the opportunity to do those other things. Some companies begin the negotiation by saying that they want all of your efforts, that you got to do everything on their behalf, and they're going to have you host all kinds of additional content on these other platforms for the same salary, and you make nothing additional. They'll even take some of your endorsement fees if if you let them. You do what you got to do for now to stay employed and get that bi-monthly paycheck. But if you have to, maybe negotiate to take a little less in salary, I'm serious, for the right to do some of these other projects on your own. And, and they may be open to that. Or uh, let's say you're working somewhere that's not as restrictive. Take advantage of this opportunity because later on, if you cross the street, or let's say you're between full-time gigs, start doing this other platform stuff now because even though being on the beach, it's tough to keep the mortgage paid, in the long run, you may be glad you had the time to, to develop your brand instead of somebody else's brand. Then if somebody wants to hire you later, they're going to find it difficult to ask you to shut down all that side stuff. In fact, the hypocrisy is they're going to be glad that you've made a brand of yourself and that you've done all these other things and it makes you more valuable to them than if you hadn't, even though if you hadn't already done it, they would forbid you to do it. But that's the way it is. One other thing that I will say as a prediction is that remember the old movie studio system in the old days most of us too young to really remember it, but we've we've heard about it, that the movie studios were basically factories and they would sign talent and they had their own crew and directors and they'd move them around inside their studio walls to different projects. And that's kind of the way radio has been. But radio companies are going to become more and more like the more modern movie studios as time goes on. It's going to be less about staffing a factory and it's going to be more about acquiring great intellectual property and that means that again we all have to be our own brands and be ready to pitch those properties one of radio's best and brightest dave beezing hey is there somebody you'd like to hear from well we'd love to hear from you email your suggestions to show at brandwithondemand.com yeah they can join other great guests like the national queen of urban mornings Dee Dee McGuire from Compass Media, Tech Sherpa extraordinaire Fred Jacobs, Super Agent to the Stars Heather Cohen, and so many more, all in the previous episodes of Brand With On Demand. Coming up, Dave Beezing shares some opportunities that you may find hidden in plain sight. 
What is it that makes Music Master the favorite choice of radio programmers all around the world? Ask CKRM's Colin Lovequist. Music Master has just eased the workload and the stress, giving me more time to spend with the community. The real question is why will you choose Music Master? Find out at musicmaster.com. Opportunities hidden in plain sight. Brandwood on demand. I'm going to be very interested to see what my friend and respected broadcaster Tom Langmeyer does with Great Lakes Media Corporation. Amen. Uh, yeah, uh, he, as you know, just now leaving WTMJ with the Scripps sell-off in Milwaukee, and he was a, a big executive with the Scripps Radio Division, and he's starting his own company and looking for investors. And, but he's looking at smaller markets. I think there are some fantastic opportunities in all size markets, but including smaller markets. I think back to, thank you for mentioning where I started in Nebraska, KTNC in Falls City, Nebraska. We would sell, and I'm sure they still do, I would guess, everything that moves, right? You sell the 13 and 14 year old baseball team games in the summer. You sell all the sports and all the high school stuff and all the things that happen in the community and you put whatever you can on the radio that can be sponsored. I'm not saying that's what Tom will do. I'm guessing that what Tom will do is reinvent small market radio with some of that same community feeling. And now with all of the platforms that are out there, the ability to do inexpensive video as well, you can put a media hub in a smaller community that doesn't force anybody to turn on the radio and hear a, a basketball game they don't want to hear. But if they really care about that basketball game, they can be watching it on their phone. And your, your media company can provide that for those parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles that live a thousand miles away. Mm-hmm. This, this can happen. And I, I think that the good news for radio is that between podcasting and all these other platforms, the inventory is now infinite. This, the commercial inventory is now infinite. If we think beyond 60s and 30s yep. on the main mothership signal. So I wouldn't overpay for a signal right now. I would pay for a great brand. I think brands are what we're buying these days because you could do that model that I was just talking about, frankly, without a transmitter. Exactly. Yeah. That's the whole concept of brand width is the brand and the bandwidth. There you go. Yeah, you guys do a great job of thinking of it in those terms. And that is where it's all headed. Our thanks to the incredible Dave Beezing. He is amazing. You'll find links to his work, all the good stuff, including a deeper dive into his podcast movement session and more available at brandwithondemand.com. Next time, it's a Brand with Experts panel. R. Kelly's been indicted, the Michael Jackson estate sued again, and in much of the country, maybe, it's still cold outside. Brand with On Demand explores radio self-censorship in the B2 era with Brian Figula, PD of San Fran's Coit FM, Geo Cook from K104 Dallas, and Greg Carpenter, Morning Guy and TVOM for Intercom Baltimore. And of course, special thanks to our producer, Cindy Huber, who puts this all together. That's a wrap, Kipper. You know, you can find out all kinds of special things about your audience just by listening 
That's right. We'll talk about it in one minute, Martin Eisen. Find it in the show notes at brandwithondemand.com. I'm Dave Martin. And I'm Kipper McGee. May all your brandwith be wise. Dave Martin and Kipper McGee.
Dave, one of the things you said, and I liked it so well, I've even written it down. You said podcasting is becoming the independent film of audio. I like that. Can you elaborate on what you mean and share some of the ways that radio stations or even individual hosts can make the most of this opportunity? 